We will be uh, continuing on in our series in uh, the psalm, in Psalm chapter 48. Now, we only have three more Sundays left. We're going to go going through the first 50 psalms this, uh, this year. So, I've uh, gone through 47 already, and uh, today will be 48, and then we'll get to 49 and 50 in, and then uh, we're in the season of Advent, and so we'll take a, a break in a few weeks um, to start celebrating uh, the first Advent of our Lord and Savior. And, uh, and as we have gone through this, as we read through Psalm 48, Psalm 48 continues on the theme of Psalm 46 and 47, that our God is a refuge and strength. And so this morning, as we read through this, I'm going to have each of my points and, and show some pictures of Zion, of Jerusalem, of my uh, trip from uh, last, or 2022. Uh, and, uh, and this Sunday would have been the uh, second Sunday we would have been back from Israel had our trip happened. And when we planned out the year, we didn't intentionally plan on a sermon about Zion or Jerusalem happening right after the trip. Um, but then we also planned the trip would actually happen. Uh, so it would ha had it all come together, this would have been kind of a, a fun Sunday for me to say, I just got back from this place. But it is still fun for me in that it was just a year and a half ago or so that I was there. So I have some recent pictures. Uh, but that, uh, and then I did go in uh, 2006. And so in 2006, I went not on a tour, but just kind of to go visit someone who was at Hebrew University. And I picked up a, um, just a, a spiritual travel guide, a companion for modern Jewish pilgrimage. Now, this is a, 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 a journal for, from the Jewish perspective. And, uh, and so I had one from a Christian perspective that I was going through, but also uh, grabbed this one that I thought was uh, really really neat and um and going through and it, and it has some uh some hebrew and some poems and and writings in it that uh and then as it went through each day it would have like a recommended uh scripture to read and then it would carry some thoughts and um and the the, the devotional that cindy and i put together for our trip kind of follows a similar uh pattern as this does um but the the one day i i got up early and there was a um uh, at the top of my hotel that was in the uh, Muslim quarter of the old city, uh, right up top, could overlook the city and would just go up there each morning as the sun would come up and I would read and do my devotional. And then uh, from there, I would, uh, I would walk a mile and a half outside to the modern Jerusalem and uh, meet the people I was with. And, and then we'd go about our day. Well, that particular morning, I woke up and this uh, book guided me to Psalm 48, the conclusion of it. Uh, where it talks about walk around the city of Zion, look at her citadels and her walls, and see her strength and remember the Lord. And that happened to be the day that we had on our, on our tour, our plan was to go to the citadel and to walk the city walls. And so this book will always remember that, um, that first time coming to Psalm 48 with that, that realization that, hey, this is, uh, this is something that we are about to do. So with that, let's go ahead and read Psalm 48. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth, Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. For behold, the kings assembled, they came on together. As soon as they saw it, 
They were astounded. They were in panic. They took to flight. Trembling took hold of them there, anguish as of a woman in labor. By the east wind you shattered the ships of Tarshish, as we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. Selah. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praises reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk around Zion. Go around her. Number her towers. Consider well her ramparts. Go through her citadels that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will guide us forever. And so this is Psalm 48. Now, as we, as we consider these um, verses, I, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to go through this uh, my outline twice. The first time we're going to go through, and we're going to look at Mount Zion and, the, and, and Psalm 48 from the historical perspective, um, and then we're going to. I just want to shift real quickly and go through it from uh, what it means for us today in Christ. But when you come to Jerusalem, Jerusalem is uh, an amazing city. I, uh, I wouldn't say it's the most beautiful city in the world, and uh, I won't say it's the, actually the most awe-inspiring just as far as a location. I mean, going to the mountains in Denver and standing at Lake Dillon and looking at the 11,000 and 14,000 foot uh, mountains around me where you feel so small. That's not the kind of mountains that Jerusalem is built upon. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, there's no amazing waterfalls or beautiful lakes, uh, and, uh, and it's pretty dry oftentimes. Uh, and so just uh, just the the aesthetic, the appeal from the, the, na- the nature, like when it says the most beautiful of mountains, like he's not talking about just like the mountain. Like, uh, there's something about Mount Zion. There's something about Jerusalem that sets it apart from any place in the world um, and that is, is more than just standing at the Pacific Ocean on Cannon Beach and looking out and seeing, wow, this place is, this is, this is I'm in awe and wonder here. Um, but when you stand on the Mount of Olives and you look across and you see this picture of the Temple Mount and the old city, um, there, there is so much that happened in this place that causes the awe and wonder to even supersede some of the most uh, splendid uh, natural places in the world because this is the place where God chose to reveal himself to man. What sets Zion apart, what sets Jerusalem apart, is that on this mountain, God has made himself known. Um, in particular, he says here that he, he uh, made him no, himself known as a fortress. And again, in Psalm 46 and 47, we see that he is our refuge, he's our strength, that we need to be still and know that he is God, that he's got us, that he's in control. And here, this, this, uh, this passage, it talks a lot about Jerusalem, um, it talks about the city of Zion and the mountain, but it is really about the God that it points us to uh, and reminds us to. So he says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Now, the, the story of this mountain goes way back. Now, if I can remember this correctly, Jerusalem is not um, on a singular mountain. Uh, it's on uh, Mount Zion, Mount 
Moriah, Mount Scopus, and the Mount Olivet, or Mount of Olives. Uh, and it situates, kind of sprawls across the, the tops of these, these hillsides. And, uh, and really, in different phases of the city would show how much of it was encompassed. Uh, the old city walls, and you'll see a few pictures of those today that we see were actually walls rebuilt in the 16th century uh, that have been uh, standing for over 400 years. Uh, but the ancient walls and, and that go, go way back that you can see uh, some of the ramparts are still, still uh, visible today. And, uh, but going way back to when Abraham went to offer his Isaac, his son, uh, on the mountains of Moriah, as the Bible calls us to, Mount Moriah. The Temple Mount, where you see here the Dome of the Rock, is over top of uh, uh, what they believe would be the rock that Abraham took Isaac to to offer him up. And as Abraham was going to be faithful to God's command, God stopped him and said, the Lord himself will provide himself as a, a lamb, a ram. And so, God provided and saved Isaac, bringing in this idea of God's substitutionary work on our behalf on Mount Moriah. And so uh, we see later that David buys a threshing floor from the Jebusites on Mount Moriah, which later was prepared to set up the temple, the tabernacle of God. Uh, the temple was going to be built there where God would dwell with his people. Uh, and so and there's a few other stories of Mount Moriah in the Bible about this holy city, but each of these um, times that it talks about it, God is revealing himself as a God who is with his people. One of the significant things about um, the mountain, Mount Moriah is that it's not the highest mountain in the mountain range here. And uh, in all the other ancient Near Eastern pagan religions, they would go to the highest mountains to set up their... Um, their worship centers, their temples um, on the high places. You hear it in the Old Testament, the high places. They would go up high. Um, and when we see here in Jerusalem, we also see it uh, where in Shiloh, where the tabernacle was uh, erected for 300 years uh, before it came to Jerusalem, that the, the dwelling place of God is in the center of his people at a lower mountain where all the others could look and see what was happening in the tabernacle, what was happening in the temple. So when you lived in the outskirts of the city up on the other uh, mountains, you could see in the central place of all God's people was God's temple. God's worship was happening. Uh, and they could see that God is with his people because God had made himself known. Um, and so this, this proclamation of the, of the beauty of the mountain and the joy of all the earth is, is not the actual beautiful mountain, it's what happens on that mountain, that God revealed himself here. And he revealed himself as a refuge and a strength in verses uh, four, four through eight. Well, he said, Behold, the kings assembled. They came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic. They took to flight. Trembling took hold of them. Their anguish was as a, of a woman in labor. And by the east winds shattered the ships of Tarshish. We don't actually know what battle or what encounter this was talking about. Uh, there's a couple of them. Uh, that it could be that sound exactly like this uh, in 
Second Chronicles 20, um, or in, um, did I write it down? Second Kings 18 and 19. So if you have your Bible, I want to turn to Second Kings 18 and 19. I'm not going to read all of it, but uh, I just want to read a couple of verses that point us to, um, well, it sounds like this, this might actually be exactly what um, the writer was thinking uh, when Sennacherib uh, was attacking Israel during the time of Hezekiah. And um, as we're looking through this, uh, and if we want to pick up in, in, uh, in 19, verse uh, four, 14. So the people, the Sennacherib had surrounded the city and was threatening, like he had gone through and, and destroyed cities, he destroyed Samaria, and he's here taking and challenging Hezekiah and saying, don't believe Hezekiah. So Hezekiah prays in verse uh, 14, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it, and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord, and he prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and, they, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods. But the work of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. And uh, and because of this, his, the humility, the the coming before God in obedience. And humility, trusting in God alone. God answered him, and you can read the part that Isaiah prophesied. Um, but what, what we see uh, in verse 35, it says, And that night the angel Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived in Nineveh. And as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, Adoramelech and Sherez, his son, struck him down with the sword and escaped into the land of Ararat. Um, and so, as we see this this battle, 185,000 enemy uh, army um, military was all around the encampment around Jerusalem. That's a that's a big army um, to see that. And to, to be so afraid of what might happen. And, you know, they would go and they would camp around and they would um, try to cut off the supplies into the city, cut off the water, and eventually starve out the people so they can weaken them and so they could then break through the walls and, and take over the city. And uh, to have that size of an army uh, surrounding the, the city was a fearful thing. And they were successful uh, as they went through and they... They won time and time again. They were beginning to believe that their God, the God of the Assyrians, was better than all the other gods. In the ancient Near East, it was common that each city had their own God, a localized God, localized power. And so when they would battle, they would take on um, my God versus your God. And, uh, and we see this in, the, in the David and Goliath. Uh, when uh, David is so infuriated because Goliath was blaspheming God. 
and he said, my God will, will deliver us. And we know that God used David uh, to conquer Goliath and to say that God is greater than the God of the Philistines. Here we see God is greater than the God of the Assyrians. And as Hezekiah prayed, he said, <clears throat> these other gods were not gods at all. They were man-made idols. And so often uh, we develop idols in our lives that distract us, that people claim uh, give them um, more comfort or more hope than God himself. And what we see in this story is that God alone is the deliverer. God alone is the mighty fortress. He is the one who is our refuge and strength. And when we run to him and hide in him and trust him, he will, in fact, deliver us as our refuge and strength. And so, and verse 8, it says, And we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which will he, God will establish forever. Like, and so the testimony of what happened to Sennacherib went around into all the nations and other people heard. And like, so people knew that there is a God in Jerusalem and, uh, and that God was doing something there. And, uh, and God continues to do something with his people, with his chosen people. Um, in, and we, we'd be, as we try to understand what all God is doing and, and how he will uh, establish his kingdom forever, um, knowing Jerusalem has such a central part in that play. Now, this, this passage here in Psalm 48 doesn't mean that Jerusalem itself won't be destroyed um, because it's bigger than the, the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been destroyed and it has been rebuilt and has been destroyed and it has been rebuilt. But the God... Uh, of the covenant has uh, continues on. He is faithful, and what we see is when p his people turn to him and are faithful to him, that that they uh, re receive the benefits he has promised. And in rebellion against him, that those uh, blessings are removed. And so when Jesus came in and he uh, he prophesied that the city would be destroyed, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. So let's go to uh, God. The next. I forgot to talk about this uh, picture. So here we have the Golden Gate. Um, this is from, again, Mount of Olives looking at the city, and you can see the city wall. Um, the Muslims had come in when they took over the Temple Mount, and they bricked up that Golden Gate because the prophecies of the Messiah is to come through um, that gate uh, when he comes and sets up his kingdom that will never end. And so when they captured that, they, they said, let's see your Messiah come through this gate. And so one day, Jesus will walk through that gate. Maybe not that particular gate, because that's a, only a 400-year-old gate. And, um, but, uh, but we know that this, uh, this is a, a pretty interesting picture to, to see what God is doing. Um, verses 9 through 11 talk about how God is worthy to be praised. The psalmist reflects, We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so... Uh, your praise reaches to the end of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Uh, so in this picture here, we have the, the western wall, um, which the, so the wall on the, on, from worthy to be praised is the, the wall of the Temple Mount that King Herod had developed um, and expanded where King Solomon had built the temple. Uh, in the corner there is Wilson's Arch. That used to be the, the, the closest they could get to um, 
where the Holy of Holies used to be. And up on top is where the Dome of the Rock and Alaska Mosque are located. And the, the Muslims have control of the top of the Temple Mount and won't allow Jewish people or Christians to go up there um, to worship or pray. A couple times a week, they allow visitors to go and walk through, but you can't um, show any visible signs of prayer or reading your scriptures while you're on top. It is reserved for only Muslims to worship on top of the Temple Mount. And, uh, but the, this is where the, the Jewish people today will go, um, and all are welcome to go uh, to this wall and, and pray uh, to God. And, um, and now, um, COVID actually provided opportunity for Jewish archaeologists to say, you know, uh, we can't control the top of uh, uh, where the Muslims control, but we control everything beneath. And so they began excavating the tunnels around the, the, the Temple Mount walls. And so we got to go into some of those tunnels and, and walk along and get to um, the part of the Temple Mount wall where is, it is below where they think the Holy of Holies was um, at one time. And so that, that now has become the place where they would go to the holiest place. But in that, in that place and standing there and seeing what, they, what they're praying for, and, and a lot of the prayers of the Jewish people is still grieving the loss of the temple, the destruction of the temple because it was the temple that was in the center of Jerusalem that set it apart from all cities of the world where God himself would come and commune with his people. And, uh, and they would go to the temple and they would think of his steadfast love, his hesed love, his covenant-keeping, faithful, loving kindness towards his people, this love that God uh, had given and his provision. Now, see, in Old Testament... Um, sacrificial system that God established that through the patriarchs he would call them to set up altars and to offer a sacrifice to cover the sins of the family and their people but as um, they encountered Jerusalem at one point God said here in the tabernacle and then in the, into the temple in Jerusalem this is where you are to bring the sacrifices now it wasn't to be sacrificed any, anywhere we see the in John chapter 4 we see the exchange between Jesus and the Samaritan woman where she says our fathers sacrifice on this mountain but you say we have to go to Jerusalem and it's actually God said that in Jerusalem is where the offerings would have to come and on the book of the in the Torah the and the book of Leviticus shows us that we have to come to God on his terms not on our terms we can't we don't go to God in, in the way that makes sense to us um, we go in the way that God has revealed and since he is a God who has revealed himself uh, to us and how we are, can know him, the temple worship was such a significant thing because this is how you were to go to God. This is how you come before God and, and receive uh, forgiveness. And so um, his steadfast love was given to them through faithful obedience to the sacrificial law and the shed blood of the animals covering sins and we know pointing towards Jesus Christ and that let the let Mount Zion um, be glad. Uh, the worship, the praise because of forgiveness and healing that would come because God is worthy to be praised. He revealed himself on this holy mountain and to come into his presence in this way and that the people's hope was in his faithfulness to it. And then lastly, God's dwelling is with his people in Psalm uh, 48, 12 through 14. Um, 
It says, walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider well her ramparts, go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. And the purpose of walking around and looking at it is not to worship the city. It is to see the faithfulness of God's to his word that look everywhere you look is a is a uh, a story to remember of God's faithfulness um one Jewish commentator was talking about how when he went in uh to the old city in 1948 and he saw a just a a fabric store and he just paused and stood there all day just remembering his grandfather's fabric store in that city and it was just this call to remember that history had taken place that my family is from this place and it and it drew him into to a reflection of wow this this place is what god has been um calling his people uh to for generations and so when we look through and we see the uh, exterior wall here this is um from the the first night when uh we arrived in jerusalem um and uh, as we were going into our hotel and just uh, looking down the wall. And then the next picture, I'll just show you a few of these fortresses. Uh, this, this here is actually in the, on Mount Zion itself, on David's city. Um, and these are some of the original stones from the wall that King David himself built um, uh, for, his, for the old city. Going down um, beneath that is Hezekiah's tunnel, uh, where uh, the just another miracle as they started digging a tunnel um, during that um, conquest uh, to provide water and to get around the other enemy and they, they started digging on both sides and they met in the middle and uh, it's like three football fields long um, and I did not go, like this. I'm walking above it because I, I went in 2006 and I was like Cindy you're on your own um, actually I thought she had a friend going with her but Deborah went the other tunnel so um, Three football fields in the dark, narrow tunnel once is enough for me, so I don't know. Uh, if you ever go, you can try it. It's kind of uh, fun. But, uh, but walking above, I get to see for the first time these old ancient walls that David built. The next picture is uh, right below his palace. So these are the ramparts leading up to uh, his palace. And at the very bottom, you can see a little bit of a, a door that in the bottom of the city walls there that they had built built houses into it. And uh, but again, David, David's city here from uh, when he built it. Next picture. Uh, this is the Jaffa Gate, the citadel. The, the, you see how, how big those walls are. Um, just, just massive and uh, uh, astounding just to, to sit there and, and, and look at an old city fortress. Uh, when you don't grow up with city walls like that, it's, it's just amazing to look at them. Do I have another one? Yeah. Again, just a, a good picture of the ramparts, the citadels, and to see that so that we can tell the next generation of God's faithfulness. It's not just to, to go and, and to see it. Now, having had the experience, I think it would be great if anybody had an opportunity to go in peacetime to Israel, and I'm, I lament the fact that we didn't get to go and, and see it once again. Um, and, uh, and I think there, there's something, too, when you come to a passage of Scripture and you read it and it says, do this, and you're like, dude, it's like, wow, look, I did. I walked around the city. I got to see these things. There's just kind of, you know, we don't always feel like um, obedience uh, to the text can, is just super tangible, easy all the time. 
Um, and we're always, what is God's will? And so when we, we see this, it's, it's pretty neat just to be able to do that. But it's, it's not talking about you have to travel to Jerusalem and walk around the cities. Um, instead, as we, it's pointing us to remembering our God, proclaiming his goodness, that he is uh, a God who is worthy to be praised. So real quickly, as we walk through this, Mount Zion has been used to talk about just the people of God and, and has often been used to talk about God's covenant with his, his people, with his church. And, and there's, a, there's a, a way to look at this that calls us to attention about God's goodness in our life. So in Christ, we see that God has made himself known. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God is great and worthy to be praised because he revealed himself not just in a city, not just in a chosen people, but in the person of Jesus Christ. Everything we read about in the Old Testament points us to who Jesus is, points us to the way of the Redeemer, that Jesus is coming, and he came, and he came into this world in a, in a way that just um, points to, to God's goodness and greatness that is beyond us. Because in Christ, we see that God is unlike any other God, that God is a triune Godhead, that he is three persons in one essence, that he is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, um, and though we see this veiled in the Old Testament, it is clearly revealed in the New Testament and in Jesus Christ himself coming uh, and taking on human flesh, revealing that the dynamics of, of God is other than us. You and I cannot conceive of anything different than ourselves. We're one person, one essence. We can relate and understand Jesus better uh, because Jesus came in and became man, but we can't truly fathom and understand three persons, one essence in the Trinity. And the scholars and theologians will continue to try to unpack that, and it is one of the greatest uh, areas of theology I think you can pursue. Uh, and for me, that was the, the time when pursuing and understanding that, that God truly humbled me and revealed to me that I can't fully grasp God, and that's a good thing. Because if I can grasp him completely, then, then he's not greater than me. And so when we come to the Trinity, we see God is great, and he has revealed himself as a triune Godhead, and he has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ um, coming into this world. And in Christ, we see the fullness of his glory, and we can relate to Jesus because of what he has done for us. In Jesus, we see that God is our refuge and strength. In Romans 8, um, we see... Um, that he is our, our protector and he is uh, the one who bring, provides for us security. And actually in verse 35 it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? 
as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is our protector and strength. He is our mighty fortress. He is the citadel that we can run to, that he is there. And as, even as we read this, you can even take these, these questions and think, man, the people in Jerusalem in that day, as Assyria was around them, would be thinking those same exact things. You and I may face things that in life, whether it is through sickness, um, financial issues, relational issues, uh, just in life we feel overwhelmed and feel like an army is around us and Jesus is saying I got you trust him be obedient to him allow him uh, to to deliver you and he will God is worthy to be praised in Christ because um, he calls us to to worship him first Peter 2 9 through 10 says to us you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. As the, uh, as in Psalm 48 said, when we went into your temple to think about your steadfast love, like in the, in the Old Testament, the holiness of God, God's spirit dwelled in the temple and that's where people would go to commune with him. In Christ, those who have trusted Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and that we are then called to be his priests uh, in this world. That in the old covenant, only a select few could go into uh, temple worship and offer sacrifices. Only a select few could go into the Holy of Holies. In Christ, because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we all can go into his presence wherever we are. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, I tell you the truth, that one day is coming and is now here. The, the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth wherever. It's not about a mountain. It's not about a location. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit giving us as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation for his possession so that we might proclaim his excellencies because he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. What a, what a truth that we get to proclaim, that we get to tell people about God. And, and if we struggle how to tell other people about God, that's okay. Just get started. God is good. Look, listen to what God's done with me. I can't explain everything, but we could learn together. Uh, but just going out and telling people, look what God has done for me. I just want to tell you and proclaim about his goodness. I want to point you to his son, Jesus Christ, um, because he is worthy to be praised. And nothing brings him more praise than seeing people come to him, finding forgiveness of sins, finding that relationship for the first time, and seeing their ardent worship and their desire to make God known to others. And in Christ, we also see God's dwelling is with his people. Uh, Jesus Christ came, took on human flesh to enter into our space, to identify with our uh, sinful brokenness so he could be the perfect sacrifice and invite us into a relationship with him. But one day, and I think this is um, not something we, we don't want to miss in verse 8, it says, God will 
establish forever the city of our God. He will establish it. <clears throat> it's something yet to happen. Um, and, and then one day God will establish his throne forever. And so in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5, talk about the new heaven and new earth. and talk about the new Jerusalem that God will establish that Jesus Christ will come and he will call all his people to be with him. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. <clears throat> In the ultimate fulfillment, the final chapter of the Bible talks about the time where God himself will set up his kingdom in the new Jerusalem with his people forever. So when we, when we think about this uh, story that, it, that God created everything in a paradise in the garden in relation, proper relationship with him and, and this was his, his desire that his people would commune and know him and work with him and love him and praise him and just be with him. And I do find as we look into Genesis that God doesn't command his people to worship him in the garden. He never says, worship me, because there was no need to command that. They were in a proper relationship enjoying the presence of God in the garden until sin happened. Sin destroyed that. Sin disrupted everything. And, that, and therefore, we talk about all these things that are happening in the world today and in our lives and in the brokenness. We all know that and we feel that. And so Jesus had to come to redeem us. He had to pay the price for sin in a way that, because we can't pay that price. And so that when we believe and trust in him alone, that we have the forgiveness, that redemption, that, that life that begins now, that lasts forever, that we can we can proclaim these truths because of Jesus Christ in our life, but one day there's a city coming that we have as our hope and a true and trustworthy statement that it will happen. Jesus will return just as surely as he came in the first advent, he's going to come in the second advent and he's going to make all things right and all things new. All the injustice that we feel in this life, in this world will be made right in Christ and his return. Some things might find their their justice in this life but we have we know in the ultimately jesus will hold all those in accountable for the the, the trouble the danger and the, the strife that they have caused in this life and all those who are righteous and have trusted in christ will be um with him and rejoice with him in his city and so we go from the garden to the city is the bookends of god's redemptive story we are living in the frustrating time of the in-between but we have this truth and this hope that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and that he will return. And he is with us just as he promised to be in the future. He, he demonstrated with his people in the old covenant that he is with them. And in Christ and his Holy Spirit, he is 
with us, that Jesus is with you in the person of the Holy Spirit wherever you go, and that you can go right into the Holy of Holies and commune with the Father anywhere at any time because you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation that he called to his own possession. So God is truly worthy to be praised. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the reminder from this psalm about Jerusalem and the city of Zion, Lord, uh, to think through all the amazing stories that happen in that place. Lord, that you are a, a God of, of, of order and a God of plan that providentially you knew what you were doing when you created the world. Nothing took you by surprise and in that you, you selected a place on this earth and a people to call to yourself to reveal yourself to the world. Your entire plan was to show yourself to man so that they might know the right way to come to you to be in a proper relationship with you. Lord, and then ultimately you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to show the whole world and to provide salvation for all that in Christ we can find our, our hope and our redemption and, uh, and, our, and our refuge and our strength. Lord, I pray today if anyone here doesn't know Jesus as their refuge and strength, has not surrendered their life, Lord, that today might be the day that they place their faith and trust in you, that they might find forgiveness and hope in Jesus alone. So, Lord, that they can praise your name and they can long for that city that may come one day. Lord, and then I pray for us as we live our lives, Lord, that times can get tough, Lord. Sometimes it does feel like we are in the city with the armies surrounding us. Give us persevering faith. Give us the, the faith of Hezekiah and his prayer to call out to you, God, move, and that we wait on you and watch you deliver. Lord, for your name's sake, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.